Men, you've been waiting a long time. Are you ready? This is the Battle Podcast. What up, men, and welcome to the Battle. I'm your host, John Durham. And I'm Ray Ray all day. What up, Ray, man? How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. Good to see you. Everything going out all right? Oh, I'm doing good, man. You still uh, pounding away on that old deer pen you're working on? Oh, yeah. You know it, man. Got some T-posts banged in today. Going to throw in some cross bracing tomorrow. And hopefully by the weekend, we'll be stringing eight-foot field fence. Man, you are talking a foreign language to me right now, Oh, brother. you better redneck neckinize. Well, I can't tell you something. <laughs> hey, you want to know what I redneckinized this weekend? What's that? Fat guys should not work on plumbing. <laughs> I had a... I've had... Two instances, one with my sink and the other with a toilet. And I don't, I don't want to know about the instance I, with a toilet. I don't know who comes up with these dimensions between the sink and the toilet, but they were not built for guys my size. I'll tell you right now. It was a skinny guy. I was like a oh man, I was like a pig in a blanket. I was sweating. I was sweating so bad you could smell bacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh know, my, my god. My poor wife comes around the corner, she's like, Honey, are you okay? And I'm like, just leave me alone. <laughs> just 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 turn around. Yeah, Close the door. Turn around. Just one of them things you just realize as you get older and fatter. There's just certain things you just shouldn't do anymore. That's it, man. That's I, mean, it. I shouldn't be working on toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Should you have ever been working on toilets? No. I mean, I know I'm full of it, but I shouldn't be working <laughs> on toilets. <laughs> oh my God, man. You know what I want to do right now, man? I want to make sure that all the guys out there that are not working right now, that are furloughed, laid off, whatever it is. I'm one of them. I'm right there with them. Don't let your minds go idle. Stay busy, man. Find something to do. Yeah, build yourself a deer pen. That's it. It's not even my deer pen. It's my neighbor's deer pen. There you go, man. But you got to keep that. You got to keep pressing forward, man. Don't don't let that mind go idle. Don't backslide. Mm -hmm. Keep up. Stand up. Man up. That's right, man. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest areas in our life is men where we find ourselves tripping up is when we have too much idle time. Right, exactly. When we have too much idle time, we tend to make stupid decisions. That's true, man. That's true. <laughs> the other thing I want to do before we get on is I want to thank all the listeners. We're, I mean, we're only number six into it. We're already starting to kind of build up a little steam. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Um, if you aren't listening or this is your first time, make sure you go to our Facebook page, The Battle Podcast on the Facebook page. If you got any questions, I mean, we're not ordained. We're not, we're just average day Joes just out there trying to, you know, spread. Yes. Yeah, so you don't have to, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Censor your questions. We're, nah. we're not going to get our feelings hurt. No, without a doubt. But you can hit us up at the battle podcast at gmail.com. Throw up the If you have any negative feedback, please direct that towards Ray. I'll take it. I got broad <laughs> shoulders. I'll take no. it all day. So, with that being said, what we got tonight? Man, we're going to talk about something that I think we, well, we've kind of done this progression as we've gone along. We, we started off with a battle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We asked the question that every man should be asking themselves, are we ready? Which is one of the most scariest questions you're ever going to ask yourself, True. right? Uh, we've asked the, we've also talked about what makes a man a man. Right, right. Um, we've talked about getting up off our donkeys. Last week, if you remember that, that's. You know, get to get off your donkey. That's it, man. You can't do no work on the donkey. That's right. I mean, we we used, uh, you know, Nehemiah as an example of that. Right. Uh, you know, he had to get up off of his donkey and check the wall, right? So there's too many guys sitting on their donkeys. 
Right. And the the reality of it is, is that when we sit back and we look at these areas of our life as men, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that the number one thing we're doing is we're equipping ourselves and I'm making ourselves ready for the things that we're talking about. Right. right. Exactly. So exactly. we're going to talk about armoring up tonight. Cool, cool, but before cool. we do that, we have a special guest to go hang out with. We do, we do. We've got Mr. Chris Tabone in the house. Well, hey, hey, thanks guys for uh, allowing me to come in and, and sit with you all the night and have this conversation. Sweet. Well, we're yeah, glad to have you. Man. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, if any of y'all have or have not listened to, there is another podcast called God Stories Radio. You can hear Mr. Chris Tabone on there. He is a... I'm a pastor by trade. I, uh, I pastor a upstart community called Awaken Church Claremont. We are a worshiping community that exists over at the First United Methodist Church here in Claremont. Um, I've been on staff there about eight years, and I just I have a passion to help people know God and experience the grace and love that He can give because um, He saved a a big old knucklehead like myself. So <laughs> well, if he could save me, he could save anybody. Well, I mean, he, he saved the four guys in this room. I mean, he's doing something. Right? That's it, exactly. I mean, I, I'll speak for the silent minority over here. Our, our producer, he can save that guy. He's doing all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ain't that right, Fritz? <laughs> Long, tall drink of water, brother. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> God put into work on that one, didn't he? Yeah, man. So, hey, with that being said, you said armor up. Mm-hmm. So what are you what are you getting at armor up? Well, I mean, you know, I was putting this thing together. We were talking about it at my house. We kind of sat around and did a round table. And one of the things I thought about was years ago, a much younger, thinner version of myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? That's it exactly. I mean, you gotta laugh at yourself. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so I was uh, I was in the army and I was thinking about when I was in basic training. Uh we went through these phases, right? They called them um Red phase, black phase, green phase, yellow phase, right? And in each phase that you did, like when you first started off in red phase, every piece of equipment, personal gear, you had to tote it around with you everywhere you went. Now, for those guys who aren't military, give us a little little well, summary of what some of that equipment is. Well, you had to wear your Kevlar, which is your helmet. You had to make sure you were in a 50-pound ruck. Mm. You had your LBE, which had all of your stuff attached to it with two canteens full of water, your poncho. Um, you had to carry your M16 everywhere you went. Um, you know, every piece of equipment that was essential to being a foot soldier, right. you had to have it on your person all the time. Now, when you say all the time, do you mean take it off to sleep? You go and go get something to eat, you got to take it off, you go to the bathroom, or you mean all the you time? You rocked it everywhere you went. You went to the mess hall. I mean, we would take it off to go into the mess hall and eat, but as soon as you came back out, you put it all right back on. Um, and I was thinking about what does it mean to armor up? Right. You know, in today's society, in today's culture, in the military, we that was being armored up. We had every piece of equipment. And and when I started thinking about when I was back in those days, how much of a frustration it was, you know, like, why are we carrying all this crap with us? I mean, we're going to the mess hall. Why do I got to bring my M16 and a 50-pound rock to, to the mess hall? Um why am I, every time I got to go to latrine, do I got to carry an M16, a 50-pound ruck, and wear a Kevlar to go to the bathroom, you know? But as you progress, you start to realize that the reason you're wearing all that stuff is because you need to be ready at any given moment for when the crap hits the fan. Right. You know, I mean, when you're at war, you don't have time to run around and grab all your stuff. You got to have it. You got to be ready. You know, you sleep with your weapon. You sleep with your Kevlar. You sleep with your ruck. I mean... It becomes an extension of who you are. 
You know, right. you train with these things, you know how to use them, they become a part of your person. So what we're talking about tonight about armoring up is making sure that you have your armor on 24 seven, you don't take it off. Right. You know, there's a misconception. I mean, and I'm just going to talk about the biblical standpoint from this. Right. Uh, and then we'll go into the practical side of it, how it meshes into everyday life with all guys. But just from the biz, biz, biblical standpoint, you hear a lot of people just say, well, put on your armor this morning. Did you put on the armor of God? Well, no, because uh, I didn't take it off. Mm-hmm. Once you put your armor on, when you become a Christian, you put on the armor of God, you, you don't take it off. You eat in it, you sleep in it, you bathe in it, you walk in it, you talk in it, you work in it. Because we know as Christians, you're under attack 24-7. Correct. And so you got to be ready for when it hits. You you bring up a great point. It's 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 the difference between wearing armor and wearing a uniform, right? Because I think some of us approach it from the uniform perspective. Like I played baseball in high school and like you don't get on the field until you put the full uniform on. Mm-hmm. But what do you do when the game's over? You take it off mm-hmm. and, and you you now have separated yourself from being on the field and being off the field. But right. when you are a Christian, when you are somebody who, you know, plays for that team, you're always in the game. You're always on the field. You're always ready for battle. Um, and the armor doesn't come off because there's there's no downtime. There's, right. there's no resting time. Well, one of the things I always have said in our men's group is that this is not a playground. It's a battlefield. Mm-hmm. And this stuff is for real. I mean, this this isn't this isn't make believe. This isn't a game. This is the matter of life. This is a matter of spiritual life and death for us as Christians. Mm-hmm. Now, you transcend that over to a guy that say he's not a Christian. You know, I mean, he doesn't go to church. He doesn't live his life by the standards of the Bible. Well, everything we're going to talk about tonight is is practical to everyday life as a man. Right. Exactly. You, you don't. You're not special. Just because you're a Christian, you're going to be faced with it regardless. Well, we think about, I mean, attack. Guys are under attack 24-7. I mean, whether it's at the job, whether it's when you come home, maybe the things ain't going right with the wife. Maybe there's issues with the kids. Maybe you're having problems with your finances. Uh, maybe you're not getting along with the in-laws or you're not getting along with your own parents or your, you know, your brothers and your sisters. You and your buddy are going at it. Your wife's got drama in her life. I mean, it's, oh, it's just endless. It just goes on and on and on. So the attack for all of us is the same. Right. Yeah. Right. We, it, there's no difference between the, the way that I get attacked as a Christian and you get a, attacked as a non-Christian. The only difference is, is that I'm aware of what it looks like to get attacked, and I know where to go to uh, to get what I need to to arm, make sure that I'm prepared for that attack, and I know what to lean on when I attack. So, right. uh, so tonight we kind of want to walk through pieces of armor because I want to simplify this for our listeners. You know, yep. so when they're listening to this, they can they can just identify with specific pieces of the armor. I want to talk about it from a biblical standpoint, and I want to talk about it from just a practical standpoint of what it looks like in an everyday man's life. Right. And the way that you can walk it out, help it out, you know, get through it, get past it, what to look for, because the sooner you can identify the attack, the easier it is to counterattack. I mean, when we look at last week when we were talking about getting off our donkeys and we used Nehemiah as an example of how he was, when you have to inspect the wall, and as you're preparing the wall, the people have the, the Israelites were the Jews. They were actually building the wall and defending the wall at the same time. Right. It's like we use the example of having, you know, a shovel or a hammer in one hand, and a sword in the other. I mean, because you knew it was coming. It's not. It's not. 
it's not if it's coming, it's when it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know what exactly. I mean? And so, you know, we we need to make sure that in our lives, it's not a question of uh, if it's coming, it's when it's coming. And are we going to be prepared and ready to deal with it? And are we going to be leaning on the things that we know that are going to get us through those times or those those battles in our life? Yeah, well, help us armor up, man. What you got? What are some of these, uh, what does some of this armor look like? Well, the first piece of armor that I want to talk about tonight is is the belt. And, and in, in, the, in the Bible, we call it the belt of truth, right? If you notice, when you put a belt on, it's the very center of your body, right? And which tells me, when I look at that, my interpretation of that is we need to be centered in the truth. Now, for us, we, we're centered in God's truth. Right. Now, if you look at it from just an everyday average Joe who's not a Christian, the truth is the truth. There's no getting around it. It, it is what it is, right? So, you know, you can get to a game of semantics there if you want to, but at the end of the day, there, you know, it, it, there's an old saying that the truth shall set you free. Right. You know what I mean? If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I, I think if I could interject, one of the problems we have right now is we have a lot of different people trying to tell us what's real and what's fake. And you have one side who is bought into this is real, this is real, this is real, or they use the words this is real for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's another side saying, no, that's fake, that's fake, that's fake, or that's not real for you. And it, it comes back to an idea of answering the question, is there such a thing as absolute truth? Sure. And as, as Christians, as those who have placed our hope and our faith in Jesus, we would say the absolute truth is God's standard. And from there, what God says um, and has set into motion is the standard of truth. That's the ruler by which we measure our life. So if that's the standard and that's the absolute truth, then we can know what's real and what is fake. But we live in a society, we live in a day and age that's consistently trying to throw at us what it thinks is real and true, where God's will and God's way may look a little different. And we live in the tension uh, of, of the reality of both. So putting on the truth, standing firm in the truth is knowing where the truth originates from. Right knowing our source and finding our our strength in that. Well, I think that there's a saying out there that perception is reality. Well, mm-hmm. no, it's not. Because <laughs> as we know, you watch like reality TV. There's nothing real about reality TV. I mean, if you think what's the going Bachelor's on- The Bachelor is not real? The Bachelor is Jersey Shores <laughs> or, 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 you know, what, whatever it may be, you know, back in the days- uh, what was it? What was it on uh, MTV? The, the the real world. The real the world. Real yeah. world. Real the road world. rules. The road rules. Yeah. Oh, so you, you, the word "real," the real world, right? Well, no, it's it's the fake world. It's a yeah. perception game, and so people buy into. Well, if I can put off the perception, that that makes it real, mm-hmm. or that makes it true. But and for those guys who aren't there yet, who haven't found the truth as we found the right. truth, you still know what's right. And what's wrong, mm-hmm. right? You you know that it's not right to cheat on your wife. Mm-hmm. You know that it's not right, you know, for all these certain things. So you got to stick by that what's right and what's wrong. You need to guard yourself against that stuff. There's, there's yeah, a that, level of morality that that's universal. Yeah, right. It's exactly. universal. It transcends culture. It transcends time. There are some things for all people that we would say are absolute truths. For instance, and, and I think this is the easiest one to see, murder is wrong in every society. Right. right. 
And, and you can't, you cannot make an argument that, you know, hey, me having malicious intent and ill will and wanting to, and then going forth and killing that person, murdering them, that was a good thing. Right. There, there's a difference, obviously, and somebody coming from a military background, self-defense, going to war, things like this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the right. malicious intent of, I hate that person, I'm killing that person for no reason other than I want to. Right. Like, we would say that transcends culture. That's wrong. So there is a level of absolute truth that can be established. Correct. Well, who raises their kids and says, I want you to be a liar? Right, nobody. I mean, who, who, who tells their kids that... It's a, in most people, you mean, I'm sure there's exception to every rule. And somebody may listen, well, I know something to tell you right now. There's an exception to every rule. But I mean, for the most part, mm-hmm. I've never met a parent that has told their, their child that it's okay to lie and to, to mistreat people. We always, everybody that you meet wants to raise their kids with some moral fiber and have a certain moral compass about it because there is that basis of morality in our society, right? So at the end of the day, I mean, but. Going back to it, the truth is the truth. You can't hide from the truth. You can lie about it. You can deceive about it. You can, you know, make up stories about it. But at the end of the day, the truth is the truth. So we need to be grounded in the truth. The very center of our lives is God's truth. That's what makes us Christians. That's what we believe in. That's everything hinges on God's truth. You know. So when we look at it, that's the very the very center of our of our lives. Right. You know? And I know there's more than just the belt of truth. Oh yeah. There's other parts. I mean. We have the other piece, which is the breastplate of, of righteousness. And, uh, you know, I know that the word righteousness for some people right off the gate, well, that's a that's a biblical term or that's a Christian term. But if you look in the, the, the dictionary, you look up the, the, the uh, definition of righteousness. I think you've got it, Ray. What, what does it say? Well, how about that? I do have it. I got it sitting like right here. Guy, man. He's right on it. Ray Ray all day. All day. Yeah. <laughs> so the definition of righteousness is the quality of being morally right or justifiable, as Chris said earlier. Yeah. So why do you wear a chest plate? Cover your heart, man. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Your vital organs are in your upper body, right? Mm-hmm. The most important organ organ you got is the heart. Yeah. Without the heart, man, you you, you, you ain't, you ain't going to make it. That's the definition I mean, of life so, and death right there. That's right. Heartbeat. And so, you know, I mean, the modern army, you know, they, they wear, you know, uh, you know, protective gear for the for the front of you, too. I mean, it's not necessarily, you know, made out of metal or armor. But at the end of the day, you're still trying to protect your upper body because of your vital organs. And the most vital of organs is your heart. Right. Now, I'm going to say something right now that may freak a few dudes out because we don't do well with this. But your heart is the most important thing you've got. If you look at in our in our belief structure and our faith, God always talks about the heart of a man. Mm-hmm. It's about the heart. And so we need to protect our hearts, you know, and the, the heart is the very core of who you're going to be and how you walk things out as a man, right? And so how do you protect your heart? Well, you've got to make sure you've, you're guarded against the things that this world is going to throw at you. What's your heart? You know, where are you grounded in? What, you know, if you're not for us being grounded in God's truth, right? right. See how they're connected here? The heart, God's truth, they all go together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we need to make sure that our hearts are always protected. Because the heart is, there's an old saying in the society we have, you know, feelings can deceive you. Right. You know, um, we got to focus on what we know. It goes back to the truth of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got to make sure that, and the same thing with, with men out there that aren't Christians, you know. Yeah. You got to put your heart into things that you know to be true. That's it. You need to. Ha- you need to make sure that you're focused on the truth because 
what you put your heart behind. Well, and we have got a lot of guys who move in one of two directions. They either soften their hearts and as a result are willing to receive, um, you know, inspiration, information, um, and it leads to change, or you have somebody who hardens their heart. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what your your faith background is, uh, you encounter people who have soft hearts and who have hard hearts. And not many of us, I would, I would venture to say pretty much none of us really want to be the kind of people who interact with those who have hard hearts. And they're just jaded and they're, they're you know, judgmental jerks or whatever the case may be. We want to be around people who have allowed our hearts to be softened so that we could at least receive well. Because if we could receive well, then we can love well. And what, what guy out there doesn't want to love their spouse well? Right. What guy out there doesn't want to love his kids well or love his community, hopefully his community? Well, th this is who we should be. So, like, we need a heart that's willing to be soft to yeah, do that. I don't that. think a guy wakes up and says, I want to be a bad man. You know, I mean, and there's a difference between protecting your heart and putting walls up in front of it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a huge difference. And I like the, the term that you use about hardening your, hardening your heart. This isn't about hardening your heart. It's about protecting your heart. Exactly. And a lot of a lot of guys out there, you know, it ain't a cool thing to say, but we've had our hearts hurt. We've had our hearts broke. Yep. And what happens is then you build that wall. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not what it's about. It's not about building that wall. It's not about breaking it off. It, what it is, is about, like you said, protecting your heart. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean don't be open. Don't be, you know, available. It just means pay attention to what your heart is and what it's feeling and what it wants. So like as a as a kid, and I don't know if anybody else out there, you know, there's the difference between toxic ma masculinity and, and like an authentic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And like, I, as a kid, I was brought up and this is no offense to the, you know, the, the men in my life who impacted me in this way, but I was taught like, do not wear your heart on your sleeve. Right. Right. You know, be tough, be hard. Don't cry. Don't be, you know, sensitive. Like, that's not what this is about. Like, that's not, that's not right masculinity you know you can be sweet you can be kind i'm, I'm a dad with two daughters right I, I i know how to love them well um because i've i've let my heart do that but at the same time i've had to put my heart a little bit on my sleeve so that i could be sensitive towards them but protecting our hearts from um things that are not going to benefit of a benefit right. us versus putting Absolutely. the walls up and just closing ourselves off. I think that's the, yeah. the difference. I, you make such a great point there. I mean, I just, there's so many men that are going to be listening to this that have bought into that lie about real men don't cry. Real men don't show emotion. Real men don't do this. Real men don't do that. Well, you better wake up to the reality that if you're going to be a husband or a father, I mean, think about it. When you first, you know, pursued your wife, you had to, you know, lead with your heart. I mean, you had to show some vulnerability in order to get involved in a relationship. Why do we get to the point where we get in that situation? Then we think now it's time we can close it off. Like, it's okay. I got her now. It's good. Well, no, I mean, that's an ongoing process. You know what I mean? Same thing with your kids. You make such a great point because if you got two daughters, you better love them well and show them what the love of a man should look like. Exactly. Or they're going to get the that from somebody you don't want them to get it from. I mean, yeah. I got a daughter and a son. And now you got two daughters, right, right? Oh, yeah, I got two daughters. And yeah, I, I constantly date my daughters. There you go. And, you know, that may sound kind of weird to some no, dudes out there. Awesome. That's beautiful. But what I'm doing is, yeah, I tell them it's, look, it's my job to show you what to expect mm -hmm. from your husband. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing it right, yeah. they're going to bring somebody home that I don't like. Yeah. 
somebody told me a long time ago before I had kids and I've been doing it ever since my girls were born is I don't just pray for them at night. And, and this is going to sound weird to some of the guys out there. I pray for their future husbands. Mm. I pray now that, that the, the men that God is going to lead into their life, that those men are going to love him, are going to be dedicated to him, going to lead their families well, and they're going to love my girls well, because if not, I'm going to have to step in there and, and I'm probably going to catch a few years for beating the snot out of some guy yeah. for not loving my kids yeah. well. Oh, but yeah. You, you talked about the old lion. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. The old lion but, for five minutes with him. He'll be good. But think about it. Like how many, how many other guys out there have little, have daughters or, and, and are scared to death of the day that their kids are going to start dating. You want to overcome that fear. Start praying for their future husbands right. now. Oh yeah. Man, and I, teaching your daughters what to expect. Like you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I constantly apologize to my daughters because I, I keep telling them, I said, look, you know what? If I'm doing my job right, I am really narrowing <laughs> your field of play. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I said, but you know, if people keep picking up this podcast, people keep listening to this then that field of play might actually get to open up a little bit for him. You know, hopefully yeah. we're doing, we're doing what uh, God's calling us to do. So we, we move on to the feet, feet fitted with readiness. Right. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, when Paul was in the Bible was looking at a Roman soldier, when he was looking at the armor, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize this unless you go back and look at history. But one of the things that made the Roman army so, um, so well, Equipped was the fact that they were able to move. They were, they were, they're mobile. And one of the reasons they were so mobile is because their feet, they had the right footwear so people mm -hmm. could move and, and march for miles and miles and miles and miles. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to get, I'm 46, well, 40, I keep saying 46, I'm 45, <laughs> just being another, I'm 45 and I'm realizing, man, when these dogs start barking, <laughs> I mean, you, if you got a bad wheel, you ain't going nowhere. I'm mm -hmm. just telling you right now. You so don't, you want to be tired when you get there. So when we're looking at being having feet fitted with readiness, we got to be ready to go, mm -hmm. to move, you know, I mean, to, to be on the attack. You know, I think sometimes, you know, and I'm just going to talk from a Christian standpoint, sometimes we're too much on the defensive. We're not on the offensive enough. Like we, we feel like we got to defend our faith all the time. We've got to defend Jesus. We got to defend what we believe. Well, if we focus more on being, you know, on the move and, and pressing outward and, and sharing our faith and sharing what we're about and being real, uh, we, I think we'd be far more successful. You know, the Roman soldiers back in the day, they would actually, someone would put spikes through their sandals so that, that when they stepped in the ground, it would give them grip so that they could take the onslaught of the enemy coming towards them so that they could push forward, you know? And we need to be able to stand firm Stand firm in, in, in what we know to going back to what we know to be true. Uh, we live in a life of righteousness, right? We got to stand firm in those things in our life and be ready because it's coming. Mm -hmm. You know, that attack is coming. Oh, without a doubt. And we've already said it ain't a matter of if, it's when it's coming. And you better be ready to stand firm and stand hard in the midst of that attack. And what's, what's one of the biggest things you're going to want with you while being attacked? The shield. Mm. Got to have that shield ready. The shield is, is such a cool thing. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time in school. Uh, you know, my undergraduate, my graduate degree are both in ministry. And the shield, I remember studying um, through Ephesians and Galatians, uh, these letters from Paul. And I, I wrote a I wrote a paper on on the armor of God. And I, I remember the shield. And, and the big thing about it is, is like when you march into battle, on the front of your shield, there's an image, mm -hmm. the image of what team you're fighting for. Right. 
right? So that when you march into battle marked with the with the image of who you fight for, the rest of the people around you know who you belong to. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a defensive weapon, but it's but it's also an offensive weapon. Absolutely, yes. because it rallies other people to you because now they know what side you're on. So when you look at it from not again, because we're talking all men out there, mm-hmm. you know, non Christians. I mean, so what is it that you stand for? What mm-hmm. team are you on? I mean, yeah. is it about your family? Right. Uh, you know, is it about you know your kids? Is it about your wife? Is it about your? I mean, whatever it may be. I mean, are you? Are you flying your colors and letting people know what you stand for? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the other part of it, too, you make such a great point is, is it is an offensive weapon because you don't just use the shield to to block things and to push. You can also use it as an offensive weapon to sure. hit and to, to, you know, to use it. I mean, the Avengers taught us that, right? right. I oh, mean, yeah. come I mean, on. Captain America <laughs> uses America. shield mm-hmm. like. But, we, you know, we call it the shield of faith, right? Yeah. Because we stand behind our faith. We lean on our faith. We put our trust in our, in our faith, right? And obviously that's grounded in God. But what are you putting your faith and your trust in as a man? Right. And so the, what are you leaning on? And another part, too, is, you know, as we talked about in a couple episodes back, was that a lot of these guys, these boys with beards are nothing but about themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if the flag that you're flying on the front of your shield is just a big picture of you, you need to look a little broader. I mean, how yeah. many how many single guys out there, you know, that's the portrayal that they want to put out. Like, like, look at me. Look at how flashy I am. Well, we live in a world called with it's enamored by the selfie. Right. And and as a result, you know, you are you're valuing something that will eventually disappear. I, I think I, and it breaks my heart. Like I spent a lot of time working with teenagers and I think of all of the kids who who spend so much time looking for likes and missing out on love. Right. And, you know, because they're so enamored with look at me, look at me, look at me, as opposed to like, hey, get to know me. Yeah. And like Absolutely. the the reality is, is I, I think about I think about the relationship that I have with my wife. I love my wife. To me, she is the most beautiful person on the planet. I think I did pretty well. She's a good looking lady, right? But beauty will fade. Scripture teaches us that. Reason teaches us that. Beauty will fade. And and if I get old enough. And and all I ever did was bank our relationship on the way she looks. When the looks go, what do I have left? Like my wife is intellectual. I can hold a conversation with her. We could talk about things. We can laugh. We can joke. We can enjoy life. Like I haven't banked it on me. I haven't banked it on her. I've banked it on on us and who we've rooted in and the, the team that we play for. But like so many folks need to recognize, okay, who, who what am I, what am I portraying? Like, is it, is it all about me? Is it, you know, all about me, 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 or is it something deeper than that? Well, it goes back to perception versus truth. Mm-hmm. There's a perception thing. We want to put off the perception that we've got it all together. We're living this perfect life. I tell my kids all the time, you can take a picture in two seconds. You can, I said, like your mother and I could be in the deepest of arguments. I can stop, take a picture of myself, a selfie, mm-hmm. and people think I'm living my best life right. when, when I'm in the middle of hell. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's a perception game. It's, it's, it's a lie. It's, that's not real. So um, let's talk about the helmet. You know, I mean, what, what do we, why would you wear a helmet? Or today's day and age of Kevlar, why do you wear a helmet? You know? You got to protect your mind, man. You got to make sure what's going in. Well, <laughs> I think, is this the one that I had? This is the one that I had that uh, you got to cover what's going in your head. You got to protect what's going in your head because we all know crap in, crap out. Mm-hmm. So you got to really pay attention to what's going in your head. Pay attention to what you're watching. 
paying attention to what you're listening to. Pay attention to what your kids are watching, what your kids are listening to. Because like I said at the very beginning, crap in, crap out, man. If you're stuffing it in there, it's coming out. Yeah, it's eventually going to come out your mouth. Exactly. And that's what gets us all in trouble, right? So if you're not protecting what's between your ears, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're not you're not making sure that you're you're guarding your eyes, you know, for guys out there, just going to keep it real. If, if you're looking at porn, if you're getting uh, listening to music that's, you know, caught up in sex, drugs and and, you know, living that thug life and all those other things, you're, you're bringing in garbage and you don't realize. I tell my son all the time, he's 19. I'm like, dude, think about what you listen to. Because what you listen to is going to eventually come out of you somewhere down the line. So you can say whatever you want, but if you don't protect what's between your ears, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And it's going to be more detrimental than what you think. Yeah, because even bigger than that is not only is it what's coming in is going out, but eventually it's going to change your heart. Right. So if you're just listening to bad stuff and you had that conversation about my, my, my transmission guy, you know, if you keep thinking those bad negative things about your wife, guess what? It's going to affect your heart. Yeah, I mean, there's a uh, there's a pastor of a church up in Atlanta. He wrote a book sometime back called Choosing to Cheat. And one of the things he talks about is like nobody wakes up in the morning and goes and has an affair. You have compromised and you've made little choice after little choice after little choice after little choice that eventually you have allowed all of this junk to come in, all the negative thoughts, all the negative perceptions, and you've allowed them to change the way you think and the way your your heart beats to eventually you have allowed so much negativity and so much wrong perception in that you went from where you were to all of a sudden choosing Mm -hmm. to cheat that you've made this choice and it wasn't that you woke up in the morning and you 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 looked at your wife and you're like sweetie i love you you're so beautiful and you walked out of the house you 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 saw a woman walking down the road yeah i'm having an affair today it's little choice after little choice after little choice because you've allowed in wrong image wrong wrong words wrong all of that and you have changed your heart and your mind well the the last piece is is the most powerful and that's the sword of the spirit for us that's the word of god and so you know it's the only true offensive weapon that we have and so why is that so important well when you're looking at god's word and you're coming under attack that's the best way to defend is by the truth that's that's surrounded or, or 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 what's the word i'm looking for that's embedded in in what our faith is right we know that the Bible for Christians is the infallible word of God. It's the book of truth. It's 100% accurate. It's, it's not compromisable. It's not fairy tales. It's not, you know, people writing up little stories. It's the truth, right? So when I'm in a, under attack or if I'm in a situation and somebody's coming at me, I come back with the word, with the, with the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't know exactly how that would translate into somebody that's not a Christian and how they would be able to do that. I, I guess it goes back to, being grounded in truth and, and speaking truth and, and having that certain moral compass in your life and leaning on those things and making sure that you're under attack, you know, well, this is wrong. I know I'm not supposed to do this, uh, regardless of what the world tells me or what my heart is telling me, because the heart sometimes will deceive you. I mean, the greatest enemy that we have in our lives is us. We want to blame the devil, but the reality of it is it's me. I get up, I got to fight me every day because there's things that John wants to do that John shouldn't do. There's things that John wants to say that John shouldn't say, you know? There's things that John thinks about that John shouldn't be thinking about. And I've got to put that man to death every single day. That's a constant battle that I face on a regular basis. And if I don't have, if I'm not grounded in the word of God, well, we live in a world where everything goes, you know? I mean, hey, what's the big deal? 
not hurting anybody, you know? Right. I mean, how many guys out there right now watching porn saying, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just, it's, there ain't nobody around, right? Spicing up my marriage. Right. I mean, you're. If it looks good, it smells good, it tastes good, it yeah. must be good. Right. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing about a sugar-coated turd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it looks juicy, yummy, and sweet. You break it in half, there's a bunch of crap in the middle. That's just how that's how it works. That's you know? it exactly. I mean, there's a perception and then there's a reality, right? We go back yeah. to the truth, right? So let's armor these guys up, man. We put on the armor. Let's take them to the armory. All right, boys, it's time to go to the armory. All right, we've got three more again this week. We, we seem to think... I love how you do that, by the way. Three, three more again. I've recognized every time you do that. Bro. I know. I love it. That's a good number. Three is a good number, <laughs> three man. More, three more, baby. That's Come on. it. That's it. Three more. So the first one we have here is Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. And it is, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The bottom line is, is you put on the full armor. You don't just put the helmet on. You don't just put the breastplate on it. You, you armor up. Every piece of armor has its use and has its responsibility. You know, you don't just go into battle with your chest bare naked with a shield and a sword. You know, you, 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 you're vulnerable, right? Yeah. If, so every single piece is crucial and you got to put it all on and you don't ever take it off. That's it. Exactly. And also, you know, for the non-Christians, you know, we say the devil schemes. You guys may not identify with that. Fine. That's no problem. But you know that there are temptations. You know, we were talking about cheating earlier. You may work in an office and that secretary may have been dropping little hints on you, touching your shoulder, doing this, doing that. You know that's not right. And that's why you need to armor up. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got number two, Ephesians 6, 14 through 15. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I mean, again, I think it speaks for itself there, but you, you, you can stand a lot firmer when you're, when you're protected. You know what I mean? When you know you're coming at something and you're fully protected, you've got your shield, you've got your breastplate, you've got your sword, you've got your... You get your belt. I mean, you get everything you need. You're fitted and ready to go to war. You feel a lot more confident. You can stand firm in that a lot better than you can going out there, you know, with your boxers on. Well, yeah, with your boxers on. <laughs> and that's what a lot of dudes are out there doing. They're standing out in the street in their boxers. That's it. I mean, it's crazy, but that that's exactly what goes on. We're, we're not ready because we don't, we get up and we want to pick and choose what we want to put on. It's like back in the army. I didn't want to wear the Kevlar. The, the ruck was too heavy. I didn't. Why am I carrying this M16? Well, because when it hits the fan, you need to be ready. That's it. Exactly. You know, one of the things that talks about there, Paul says, he uses this word peace, right? He says the gospel of peace. And I think there's some guys who um, definitely are out there who are, who are struggling with a lack of peace. Mm. And as they listen to this, maybe one thing you need to get out of this is that by armoring up, you're doing so in order that you can have peace of mind and peace of heart. And for anybody who's, who is far from God, one of the things that hopefully this will, will 
give you as a, as a word of inspiration is that by putting trust in God, walking with God, armoring up in his armor, he's going to give to us the peace that we're so desperately looking for. Because sometimes we're turning to these other things, these temptations, these, these wickednesses, because we're trying to fill an empty void within our hearts. And we're looking for something to fill it up, something to give us that peace of mind, that peace of heart. But there, mm -hmm. there's nothing that can. There was a, there was an old guy, um, by the name of Augustine, who lived a long time ago uh, in the church. And he said, imagine that you have a hole in your heart. Let's call it the God-shaped hole. And, and, and what we try to do is we try to put everything on top of that hole. You know, we put sex, we put drugs, we put relationships, we put pornography, we put all these things on there, hoping it will close the hole. And Augustine made the argument, the only thing that will, will fit into that puzzle piece is God himself. Yeah. I like that. Square peg in a round hole. Yep. Right. Don't fit. So last but not least, number three, we've got Ephesians 6, 16 through 17. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can exhaust all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, I mean, this is pretty self-explanatory. There's going to be fiery arrows shot at us constantly. And if we don't stand behind our faith, we don't make sure that we have the helmet of salvation for us that's guarding what's going in our ears or coming in our eyes. And then we're not using the sword of the spirit as an offensive weapon. We're just going to be sitting ducks. Exactly. We're just going to be sitting there to be taken out and wiped out. Yep. So uh, there's a lot to be said. We could probably go on forever about this. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about making sure that you're prepared. You know, you may not be, every day may not be a constant battle for you, but if the battle comes, at least you know you'll be ready. Right. Right. And so, um, what are we going to be talking about next week, man? What's our, what's the next episode? Well, before I do that real quick, I want to thank Mr. Chris DeBone for joining us tonight. Thank you, Chris. Hey, thanks for having great me. Great having you, man. It was, awesome. it was great. Thank you very much. So, next week, bad things, good people. Bad things, good people. Isn't that a question everybody has? That's it. Well, I want to close with this. Guys, it's time to armor up. The days for, of ex making excuses are over. We know the truth. Now, you can get into a game of semantics all you want, but at the end of the day, the truth is the truth, and you can't hide from it. It is what it is. We live in a world that perception is reality. Well, that's a lie. Reality is reality. And the reality of it is every single day of our lives, we are under siege by a relentless enemy, whether it be the, the devil or I got news for you, it could be you. But the bottom line is, is that if you're ready and you're prepared, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be in a place where you're going to be able to, to go through things in a way that's going to benefit not only just you, but protect the people in your keep, like your wife, your children, and the people that God has entrusted to you. Guys, I promise you, if you keep yourself grounded in the truth, well, that, my friends, that's where the rubber meets the road.